you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Debo Samuel from the San Francisco 49ers, and this is the NFL Report. Debo looks real relaxed, Steve, just sitting there chilling as we enter the divisional round. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you on the NFL Report. A slammed show today. All-pro quarterback from the Chiefs, Trent McDuffie joins the show. Former Falcons general manager and former Patriots scout Thomas Dimitrov also joins the show. Baldy's favorite films, breaking down everything you need to know, Steve, in the postseason, as well as Judy Batista telling us everything we need to know about Bill Belichick to the Falcons. This is weird, though, Steve. This isn't where I normally see you. What's going on no. here? No, I mean, I, I'm in my hotel room over in Honolulu, JP. You know, there's no NFL team oh, over here. Yes. But- I'm, as you see right here, the Polynesian Bowl, which will be broadcast Friday evening on NFL Network. It is the greatest collection of high school football stars, all-star game. Dylan Rayola, the number one quarterback in the country, the son of Dominic Rayola, who uh, decommitted wow. from Georgia right, to go to Nebraska where his father played. He's going to be the big highlight of the game. But some of the best players um, in high school football who are going to matriculate to the NFL. We've seen guys like Talano Hufanga. Puka Nakua, so many guys who've played this game, Bajan Robinson, go to the NFL. I'm fired up. I'll be on the call with Kanoa Leahy. But, JP, let's get to this wild card weekend because the one thing you see with the remaining teams is kind of you have a healthy quarterback. You played most of the season. You had a good shot to get to this point. What quarterback matchup, because they're so good this weekend, really intrigues you the most? Steve, there, there is one quarterback matchup that we all should be focused on. It is the new Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. It is Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes for the first time in the postseason on the road for Mahomes. I've covered this game. I think I've covered almost every single matchup that they've had outside of the one that Mahomes played up there in Orchard Park. It was during COVID, no fans there. So he is getting his first experience playing on the road in Buffalo in this game. Now, what I find fascinating about this is They are both just dynamite quarterbacks. But what they're doing right now with both teams are, I feel like it's the word resiliency, Steve. And that's not usually what you would think of when you think of the Bills and the Chiefs over the last couple of years. But that's where they're both at right now, what the Bills have overcome and how they've gotten to the spot they're at, as red hot as they are, with Josh Allen putting this team on his back at times and really going out there and carrying the Bills and willing them to wins. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, has been utilizing his defense, his run game. When I talk to coaches in Kansas City, they say his adaptability this year is the number one trait that has stood out to them in the eyes of Patrick Mahomes and what he's done differently. He has learned a lot to where it's okay, Steve, to take the check down, to flip the field, to punt the football in the postseason and protect it. A different mentality, but we talked about it on a previous show. Steve, could this be the formula for the Chiefs? That's why I find this fascinating. They're not playing like we've seen them both play in the past. And that's okay. And the one, and JP, the one thing that's not talked about enough, we talk about it so much with Josh Allen and, and, and Lamar Jackson, but Patrick Mahomes running the ball to move the sticks seems to yes. be a constant trait in the postseason with this team. I, I love that matchup. And we're going to have Judy Batista. She'll be at the game in Baltimore this weekend between the Texans and Ravens. Talk about that dynamic matchup with C.J. Stroud and Lamar Jackson later. But J.P., how can I not go with my guy? Brock Purdy oh, I know. against Jordan Love. Of course. Well, now, a big Saturday Saturday evening game. Okay, I, I see the face. But here's why. Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers is playing better than any quarterback in the NFL right now. That's they a good argument. In the, past, in the past five games, Jordan Love, 12 touchdowns. Zero interceptions. He's taking care of the ball. He's making plays, as you're seeing right here against Dallas, when he carved up, throwing the ball just 21 times in all kinds of different ways, from the pocket, rolling out. Now, he has not played the defense 
like the rested Niners are going to be throwing in his face. But if Green Bay can run the ball to somewhat of a degree like they've been running it, this could set up things very interesting. Now, now I got to go to my guy Brock Purdy. Look, after that four interception game against Baltimore, he has played much more like the Brock Purdy that we know that is controlled, that is from the pocket, and that is operating on time. He's not operating on time in this highlight right here against Washington. This is also a part of his game nobody talks about. We had Debo Samuel introduce us, and when we interviewed him last week, he talked about how much Purdy has got that killer in him, right? He's got the thing to push things over the top and how they push the ball downfield, JP. This isn't just a dink and dunk quarterback. This is somebody who can win games. All right, JP, coming up next, the Detroit Lions. I mean, a team we've been on since the very beginning. They're playing a sleeper team. Excuse me, a sleeper team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that looked really good in destroying the Eagles in the wild card round. What is something they could do? Or what is something the Lions can do for Detroit to get to the conference championship game? I'll let you handle Detroit because I want to go down to Florida. I want to go to Tampa Bay where maybe there's not enough credit, Steve. We talk about the toughness of the Detroit Lions. I think we could say also this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is extremely tough and extremely resilient. You look at everything that they've been through with their quarterback in battle, as we call it, with Baker Mayfield winning it this past offseason. We have to remember their offensive quarter, Dave Canales, who was on this show last week, he's been to the postseason regularly when he was in Seattle. This team with the Buccaneers were in the postseason over the last several years with Tom Brady as their quarterback. They have been there. And you mentioned what they did against the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the best offensive lines in football. They manhandled them at the line of scrimmage. Yes, they did. This line played brilliantly. This is another very good offensive line, one of the best in football that the Detroit Lions have. And if this team can get physical up front and they can cause some issues in the timing and the way that Jared Goff operates this offense, this could be a sneaky, interesting matchup and a sneaky potential upset, possibly, Steve, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It really could. And we're going to have Brian Baldinger on later to talk about this game because this is something he really wants to sink his teeth into after watching film. But I'm going to go back to this. And I talked about this for Detroit when they played the Rams in a wild card round. And I, and I think it showed up. And that is the center of their defense. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's been a little Twitter beef with Baker Mayfield this week yeah. in kind of that interior slot corner position. Kirby Joseph at safety. Some of the things that they do, and Brian Branch, my gosh, how, how good has this rookie been? Oh, yeah. Where does Tampa and Baker like to drive the ball? We saw it last week. It is kind of the middle of the field, a lot of the crossing routes, set up some of the over-the-top stuff to Mike Evans, which they really couldn't get going. And, and I think this is going to be a, a, something that Detroit is going to have to use. I know their offense is going to have some tough sledding against this defense. We are watching Aiden Hutchinson here on the, on the highlight put pressure they're going to have to generate some of that pressure to flush Baker Mayfield to maybe get the ball out of his hands a little quicker. And again, that's where some of those guys in that secondary, particularly at the safeties, you know, Brian Branch, cause some problems in that passing game for Tampa Bay, JP, because this is going to be a fun game, and I'm with you. I think the Buccaneers cannot be underestimated. Really, JP, we know there's some great coaches coming down in, in this in this round here, this divisional round. Is there any that has any greater pressure than than the other coming into this level? I I would say, Steve, it's kind of the two guys that had the number one seed in the bye. I I look at Harbaugh and what John Harbaugh is up against in Baltimore because the last time they were in this situation was 2019, and Lamar won the MVP. They had a bye, and then they went, and they lost to the Titans in the divisional round, and their postseason was over. I think this is for John Harbaugh and for Lamar Jackson as well to get over a parochial hump because a lot of people have them as a Super Bowl favorite. And I'm 100% with you the number one seed. Kyle Shanahan, no one's going to doubt how great of a coach he is, but he's going to go down as a great regular season coach or a great postseason coach. And this is where, to me, the NFC is, is a very clear path for the 49ers. Yes, it's going to be tough for the Packers, but this is going to be a game they need to win and keep on rolling. So this weekend, I think the 49ers, who are well-rested, we know they were nicked up when they ended the season, they need to finish strong. This, again, they're playing a red-hot Packers team. It's going to be a heck of a challenge. They have it at Levi's. Well, JP, you know what? Coming up next, we just talked about slot corners, right? I talked about Brian Branch. We've got 
the first team yeah. all-pro slide quarter. That's the Chiefs Trent McDuffie joining us. Oh, JP, this is going to be good. Don't go anywhere. Love Come it. back after the break for the NFL You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, just like the Bahamas, huh? Hey, great job, Proudy guys. Make sure you have your uh, cell phones. We'll, we'll let you know, uh, you know, when we're playing. All right. Make sure you take care of yourselves. If you're nicked up, let's get taken care of. We get ourselves back in there and get ready to go. Huh? How beautiful is this, man? How about those? Jeez. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Hey, for real, take care of your body this weekend. Make sure you're ready to go next week. We ain't done. So, Chiefs on three. One, two, three. Chiefs. Welcome back into the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve White's with you. And we have all pro, Steve. All yeah. pro quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Trent McDuffie. Trent, I got to ask you, start off with this right here. What do you feel like the, the slot corner spot actually getting this recognition in the all-pro situation? Because on this show, we talk about slot corners being one of the most valuable positions in all football. Yeah, um, kind of like you said, I feel like this slot cornerback position um, is definitely one that I feel like is starting to get more recognition because, I mean, you look at that, we do so much. I mean, we got a blitz. They want us to play the run game. We got to go cover the wide receivers, tight ends. I mean, they expect a lot out of us. So um, just getting that recognition, I always say, is a big blessing and I think it just goes to show just how much I've been able to help out this team and this defense. Well, Trent, congrats on that. And and this week, I mean, your your role, as we saw the first time you played them, is highly valuable because we know how they like to work the middle of the field with their tight ends to kind of slip cook out there in coverage, but to also keep an eye on Josh Allen in the run game. And you guys bottled him up the first time you played. I mean, how much – I'll put it this way. What is it like – preparing knowing that he can slip out in the run game and you always have to have eyes on him while also protecting your duties in the passing game right yeah I mean whenever you play a quarterback that can throw it run it I mean Josh Allen's one of those guys that can just do it all um it always adds just a little more dynamic challenge for the defense because like you said we can't just as a defender I can't just play my man and not worry about what the quarterback's going to do um and he's also just extending plays which on the back end we always talk about this plaster and um, just outworking the receivers. And, I mean, he's one of those guys that can just pose a problem on all downs, all field distances, and one of those guys that at all times you got to know where he's at. So um, I feel like he does a really good job at getting the ball out to receivers. And like you said, using his tight ends really well. And um, they've been efficient, especially after playing us. They've gone on a little run. So um, we know the, the advantages and disadvantages that they're going to bring to the game, and we're preparing for those. Trent, with that said, you guys are so versatile, specifically in the secondary, too, that you can move guys, play in different spots, and you can give so many different looks. With what you're saying about what Josh does in the run game, I don't give anything away, but like you have the ability to have somebody spy him, probably, and then that person can change spots. What is the advantage when you have to go against a guy that is dynamic in multiple ways, like Josh Allen is, but you guys have the ability to have so many guys play different spots that you can kind of try to confuse them at the same time? Yeah, I think that's huge what you said. Um, I feel like we have a group of players on this team that can really do it all. I mean, you got guys like me, LJ, um, Shamar Connor, who all play three different positions. Jay Reed comes down at dime, at safety. You got Willie Gay playing multiple positions. Like this defense is very unique in a way that everybody can do a little bit of everything. And when you play a quarterback like this, being able to throw off his timing with his receivers, being able to confuse and pre-snap, um, is huge because when you just give them one look, a lot of these quarterbacks, they know where the ball wants to go. Um, and a guy like Josh Allen, I mean, if you just sit everybody out wide and play man, I mean, he's ready to take off at any point. So um, Spags definitely does a great job at giving different disguises, different looks, and making a lot of the same defenses look the same but do different things out of them. Um, so definitely just the movement-wise on the back end, on the front end, and just making sure he doesn't know just exactly where to go and give him just such an easy play um, each and every down is going to be huge. 
I'm kind of gl- glad you ran down that roster of your teammates. And you mentioned LJ, Legereus Sneed. We've talked on this show all season long how there might not be an outside corner who's had a better season than him. I mean, what has been so effective and impactful for him? Why can he lock up a Stephon Diggs or another team's best receiver? What has worked so well as to where he's really, really climbed the ladder this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that dude is probably top two, if two, um, best cornerbacks in the league. I mean, when you look at somebody <laughs> who every week literally goes out there, guards the number one receiver, all plays, all downs, um, doesn't complain, doesn't be like, oh, I need help over the top. It's just a dog out there. Um, and I feel like it all goes back to what he does off the field. I mean, he comes in each and every day, practices hard, watches film, constantly asking questions. I mean, we talk all the time about what receivers are going to do, splits and stuff like that. So um, just the knowledge of the game that he has and also just the confidence. I mean, when you're a guy like that who has to go out on the island and cover the best receivers day in and day out, um, the confidence got to be at a high. And he's one of those guys that is able to have that confidence and also just making sure he does his job well. And he's able to use his help and understands the defense and I know for us on the back end, we love when we can just look out, know LJ's out there and be like, okay, that's going to cancel out a guy. Let's focus on these guys over here. <laughs> I, I try. I got to bring this up. We got to look, we're, we're looking forward in the division round, but I got to look back real quick. When you guys were in the film room and you watch him jam Tyreek Hill at the line of scrimmage <laughs> on that one play, what was the reaction in the film room when everybody got a chance to see that play together? I mean, you already know guys were hooting and hollering. The energy was high and I, <laughs> I got to say, this isn't the first time, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen LJ do this. I mean, you go back game in and game out. I think he literally has done this every single game um, against these big time receivers. So I think it just goes back to the skill set he has and just the ability to, like I said, play the D- DB position so well, locked in. And it just technique wise is just one of the best out there, I think, right now. Yeah, even even. Tyreek had to get praise because he was just like, yeah, he jammed my, you know what, all the way to Cancun. <laughs> hey, but, you know, defensively, <laughs> we're, we're talking so much about your defense. What about the change in identity of this team? Because we've always known the Chiefs to be this great offensive team, but now we're like, this is a lockdown defense. What about that identity change and how much you guys kind of walk around like, yeah, you know, we, we're him, so to speak. Yeah, um, I think it just goes back to our offseason and Coach Spags coming in and being like, we know we won the Super Bowl, but uh, our play in the Super Bowl and how many points we gave up, everybody was like, that wasn't our best showing. So all offseason, training camp, I mean, throughout this whole year, Coach Bag has been honest about being consistent, about being relentless, about trusting each other. And I felt like just the communication, just the overall chemistry out there on the field um, is just huge. I mean, guys trust each other. Guys know where we're going to be. Um, that non-communication that we can just look out and know what each other are doing. I feel like has been so huge for us this year. And I keep saying we're we're a defense that knows what our offense can do. I mean, we got Patrick Holmes on the other side, Trav. I mean, our offense is explosive. And so being able to go out there, get down on third down, stop them on fourth downs, give the offense the ball in good field positions. I mean, everything we can do to help this offense go put points on the board has been a big thing for us. And I'm just happy that everybody around here continues to just keep working. You know, there's never a game where we're like, oh, we can be relaxed. You know, we go in each and every week knowing that it's going to be a game. And everybody around here trusts each other and goes out and does their job very well. Trent, I'm curious to take you, take take us back to, to training camp. When when you're seeing Rasheed Rice for the very first time and you're going against him in, in camp where Andy runs just such a grueling camp up there in St. Joe. Like, did you see what's happening now back in camp going, he has the ability if he develops something with Patrick to be something. What did you see from Rasheed in the very beginning? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look back at training camp. I know we battled for sure multiple times during training camp, and he definitely caught a few passes that I was like, whoa, you know, those are easy catches to make. Um, (laughs) And he was doing it right out the gate. And he's one of those dudes that, like I said, this team has a lot of guys that just going out here and just working. You know, they ain't got to say much. They ain't got to come up with excuses. They just put their head down and work. And he's one of those guys. And I'm really proud to see just the progress that he's, he's made because rookie year, I mean, I know last year, it can be tough, especially Andy Reid's offense. You got to learn a lot of yeah. things, play different positions. And, man, he comes in week in, week out, and is consistent. And I feel like that's my favorite thing about this dude. It's just his consistency on the field um, has been huge. And now he's making big plays for us, which you got to love. 
Well, Joe, we got we got to wrap up. I'd love to have this conversation all day, but look, we know you're going from one ice box last week in Kansas City to another in Buffalo. Want to wish you the best of luck, and thank you so much for joining us here on the NFL Report. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thanks so much. We're coming up next. The hottest team and the hottest quarterback, the Houston Texans, against the Ravens. His playoff history, not so great. Goody Batista joins us next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. We are back at the NFL Report, and James, one of our favorite people, NFL media insider Judy Batista. And Judy, let's get right to it. Bill Belichick is going into his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons. We've heard for weeks that this was a likely union. It seems like it's getting likelier, doesn't it? It does. Certainly the fact that he's having a second interview and that there are going to be more members of the Falcons brain trust in the room for this second go around suggests, you know, everything is pointing toward this. I I wish we could be flies on the wall for an interview. What is an interview, a job interview with Bill Belichick? He's interviewing them. I feel like he is probably interviewing them as much as they are interviewing him. Um, But I, I think You know, getting more of the members of the senior management in the room is important because so much of this with Belichick is going to be about fit and structure and who is going to be responsible for what and what is his role going to be? How big is his role? Um, And so I think having, you know, Rich McKay in there um, and others in the room with Arthur and Bill is, is really important to make sure everybody's comfortable with how it's going to be, because clearly at the Patriots, it, it ran its course with Bill having um, as much power as he did. Judy, I, I'm, I'm upset that I won't give the proper credit to who tweeted this, but it was a great tweet after the first interview that somebody put out, like a scenario in the interview with Bill Belichick would have been Arthur Blank asking him, was there a time where you overcame an unsurmountable sense of <laughs> adversity before in the past, Bill? Uh, can you... <laughs> Bill can say, yes, I can remember a certain time where I was here. 183, baby. Um, with what's happening in Atlanta right now, Judy, I- I'm curious if your thought is we waited to hear what was happening with Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. Does Bill being potentially unavailable maybe push Jerry Jones in the decision that he made to keep Mike McCarthy? You know, I hope we somehow, we someday get the timeline of events because our great friend and colleague, Jane Slater, I think reported earlier today on The Insiders that it sounded to her like Jerry had not even looked around in these last few days, that it was all about Mike McCarthy and and considering that, you know, that he hadn't put a, a line in the water to see who might be interested in the job. I'll just tell you this. I mean, I was in Foxborough uh, yesterday for Gerard Mayo's introduction and the conversation there was, you know, how soon is Bill going to Dallas? I mean, that was just everybody's default assumption that, you know, that Dallas would be open and that that would be where Bill was going to go because Jerry and Bill have have had a good relationship over the years. So you sort of put those things together and maybe, maybe it was never going to be put together. I hope we will someday get the answer to that timeline. Um, but but I agree with you, Steve, what you said earlier. We've been hearing for weeks um, that Arthur Blank would make a run at Bill Belichick. It was just a question to me of, would Bill want Atlanta? Yeah, you know, look, I'll tell you this. Arthur Blank doesn't do post-game interviews in locker rooms. So that might be the, <laughs> the thing that weighs to scale down. Um, Judy, you talked about you were, you were at the press conference for Gerard Mayo in New England. And, and this, look, this is somebody, he's somebody who came up under Belichick. They're not straying far from the family. What was that like? Because he is also walking into 
one of the most difficult scenarios in terms of living up to that standard of the greatest who's ever done it. I thought he did a really good job of walking the line between being very respectful of, of Belichick. He was there as a player for him and he coached under him and also making it clear he was going to do things his way. He is his own man. I mean, he talked about the things he learned from Bill about, you know, the attention to detail and being uh, game specific. And, you know, you have to teach players, right? You're basic, you're, you have to develop players, you're a teacher, but he also said things like, um, I don't want to be in an echo chamber and I plan to knock down silos, which is clearly a reference to, you know, when Bill had a tremendous amount of power there, had accrued a tremendous amount of power there, um, and all information went to Bill and came from Bill, right? So uh, Gerard Mayo seems to want to have a more collaborative atmosphere there. He said multiple times, you know, he's a rookie head coach. He hasn't even been a coach that long. He's not that far removed from his playing days. So he kept saying, I'm going to leave. You know, there's a lot of people who are experts at things and I'm going to lean on them for their help. So certainly uh, it, look, you could just see by the personality, right? I mean, he said he's going to smile more, like he's a much bubblier personality, but I think um, even on the day-to-day operations side, it's going to be a much more collaborative place. And I think they need that. Um, He's going to need the support. Again, you know, he's a rookie head coach and they got a lot to fix in New England. He's going to need a lot of support. Judy, I'm fascinated to see what Gerard Mayo wants to keep in place and what he wants to do entirely different. Those decisions are going to be just picked apart by everybody in New England with each one that he makes, which is a very fascinating situation for him to be in. Another one that we're keeping an eye on in terms of potential head coach is, go ahead. Yeah. If I could just add this, yesterday they did not offer a whole lot of details about what the structure of the organization was going to be and who the offensive coordinator was going to be. So there are still a lot of big decisions to come about how they are going to function now that Mayo is there. Yeah, it's gonna. We're gonna look at every single angle. How about Mike Vrabel, Judy? We were hearing nothing about one of the best head coaches that's available. Maybe in some people's eyes, the best head coach is potentially available. If you look at what he's accomplished and his age and what he's done, we weren't hearing anything. Now we're finally hearing that Mike Vrabel is taking an interview with the Chargers. We know that prior head coaching experience is high on their list. They've been clear about that. What's your thought on Mike Vrabel and his future in this head coaching cycle? Because it is very interesting where he could potentially land or maybe not land. I It's been curiously quiet, Um, and and I sort of wonder if now that the Dallas situation is settled, if now dominoes will start to fall. I, I, you know, I sort of wonder if everybody was waiting to see what was going to happen in Dallas and what Jerry was going to do. And so now that that's out of the way, do other people make moves? Because you heard Vrabel's name linked to a potential opening in Dallas too. So now that that's off the table, you know, does does Vrabel start taking interviews? Uh, but I agree with you. It's It's been strangely quiet uh, around Vrabel. I assume that there will be interest in him. There's there's still a lot of openings um, and a lot to go through. And of course, because the timeline is extended, because the league wants to slow things down, uh, you know, teams don't have to move quite so fast. But, uh, you know, I would expect that Vrabel is going to be in the mix for some of these jobs. I'd be surprised if he's not. Uh, Judy, this weekend, you are going to be at that awesome Texans and Ravens game. Let's hear what quarterback Lamar Jackson had to say about the team's slow starts and shortcomings in the postseason. Your four previous playoff games, the offense didn't score more than 20 points. How much more confident do you feel that this year's offense has the ability to put up the points you need to win in the playoffs? I'm very confident. Very, very confident. Extremely confident. (laughs) Judy, you heard Lamar Jackson's response, but the look on his face was like, oh, we got something for him. We got it. But do they? I mean, why should he feel so confident? Uh, Because this is a different offense, and he's a different quarterback than he has been with Todd Munkin's offense. Um, They do start slow. I mean, look, they're only one in three in the playoffs with Lamar's the starting quarterback. And incredibly, in those four games, they haven't scored a point in the first quarter. So obviously, they got to get out to a faster start. But I sort of set those aside because this offense is different. He is different this year. Um, I was at the game against the Miami Dolphins. He played that game almost exclusively from the pocket. They were happy to leave him in the pocket. They didn't want him to get out and run. So he just tore them up from the pocket, 
which is not something in years past that Lamar has been doing, right? He would go out and run. He is so comfortable now. He's so comfortable in the pocket. He's so precise. Um, it's a different offense. So I, I think there will be different results and I, he should be extremely confident. He played so well this year, especially down the stretch. He's going to be the league MVP. He should have a great deal of confidence in this offense. Judy, if I could run like Lamar Jackson, I would not opt to just sit in the pocket and play quarterback. Like I would be running everywhere just because you're more elusive and faster than everybody else on the field. But he has that I, ability to beat you in a variety of ways. I, I, I think it just must be so cool to be Lamar Jackson and to have his skills. <laughs> like He's just awesome. I love to watch him. I'm so thrilled to be covering this game because I love to watch him play. I'm jealous. Yeah. Well, you're going to get to see C.J. Stroud. Any Texans defense that no one's talking enough about, that defense is playing well. Judy, we got to get gone, yeah. but we appreciate you joining us. As always, have fun this weekend in Baltimore. And coming up next, the pack and running back, Aaron Jones in that running game. Oh, it's caught the Ooh. attention of Brian Baldinger. He's playing by Green Bay. One of his favorite films to watch on the NFL You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back into the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. And there was a piece of my soul, Steve, that was missing last week when we didn't have Baldy and Baldy's favorite films, my favorite segment every week. We didn't have it. And there was a big part, Baldy, that was just missing in the show that just was not replicated or replaced by anything. Well, let's just, make up for it, James. I just got to get that let's out Let's make there. up for it this week. Let's do it. Let's get there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's have a double dose. Let's do it, Baldy. And listen, yeah. there was we, we watched, everybody watched that game down in, in Dallas. And everybody's eyes are focused on, on, on Jordan Love and what he's doing and what he's doing at the quarterback position. But the run game that the Packers have going right now for the last several weeks is something that you've seen and you've watched closely in the film room that I hear you just left. Well, you know, Showtime Jones, Aaron Jones, is one of my favorite players in this league. I, I remember covering a kid when he was at El Paso. You know, the 915, he always puts those numbers up. He's proud of uh, his area code. But, you know, he missed some, a chunk of the season, um, and his legs are fresh right now. And a couple things is, one, this guy doesn't miss a hole, all right? So his vision is unbelievable. And then the way that they run the ball, I mean, they're diverse. They use their tight ends. They use a lot of motions uh, to get him singled up and to get him uh, into space in a variety of ways. Um, they can always throw it to him. He's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's down the goal line like it was last week against Dallas where he scored from the one, he scored from the three, uh, he scored from the nine, you know, um, and then short yardage, like you name it. And when you watch it, it's, it's windbacks, it's toss, it's, it's inside slant, it's outside zone. It's really every kind of run. And then what Matt LaFleur is doing and what Aaron is doing is, all right, which ones are working? Like that's a windback play, all right? And, uh, you know, it's – the, and then if you look up front, the guys are not allowing penetration. Uh, they're rotating some offensive linemen up there. But they're, they're in sync right now between the line and what Aaron Jones is doing. And over the last month, he's been the most productive running back in the NFL. Yeah, Baldy, that, that run game has set up the run action, which is why Jordan Love might be playing better than any quarterback right now when it just comes to efficiency, the plays downfield, the aggression. Speaking of aggression, Baldy, you just came out of the film room and what the Tampa Bay Bucks defense tried to do against the Lions when they met earlier this year uh, was pretty much medieval, except they came out on the back end of the win. Well, it's interesting, Steve, because we all watched what Tampa did to Philadelphia Monday night, and it was, it was a blitzkrieg. I mean, they, they blitzed Jalen Hurts every which way you can, and it was effective. But I was thinking, okay, well, let's go back and watch rewatch week six. Let's see what the... They blitzed the very first play of the game, Steve. They came <laughs> after Jared Goff. Um, on third downs, they had great success. I mean, it was a 10-3 game at halftime now. 
And the blitzing was a big part of getting off the field on third downs. They blitzed the run, Steve. It wasn't just a pass, but they blitzed the run. They blitzed them on third and one. Uh, and, you know, Ty, I don't know where Todd Bowles comes with all these combinations, but when they come, like, there's no hesitancy. They hit that thing, you know, like a bat out of hell, and they're good at it. And so I'm sure Detroit's spending a good chunk of time in preparation for this game on the Blitz and their Blitz pickups and their packages and how they're going to try and keep these guys from affecting Jared Goff in the pass game. Well, let's go to another team that blitzes just maybe in a more creative, fun way than anybody else in football, and that's Steve Spagnuolo's group with the Kansas City Chiefs. We just had Trent McDuffie on the show, and Trent was talking to us about his responsibilities in the slot, not only worrying about two really good tight ends, worrying about a really good slot receiver, the pass game, how his eyes have to be focused on Josh Allen and in the run game, and Josh specifically running the football as well in the middle of the field. What does this defense need to do with the Kansas City Chiefs to limit what Josh Allen has been able to do over the last several weeks, which is essentially be their run game? Well, so it's interesting uh, because when you go back and you rewatch Week 14's game, they had a real package designed to contain Josh Allen. And so it was a variety of ways. I mean, you know, if you put uh, Chris Jones one-on-one with anybody in this business right now, he's going to win. But in certain rushes, yep. he wasn't trying to win. He was just trying to push the pocket and keep Josh Allen on that potion stamp behind his center, Mitch Morris. So they did some of that. They did a lot of three-man rush, and then they spied uh, Josh Allen with Willie Gay in that game. And so Josh Allen would... You know, see the three-man rush, feel it, exit, go go try to break it. And then here comes Willie Gay. And it, it, it pressured him so much one time that he threw an interception uh, as a result of it. Now, he had eight runs in that game, 32 yards. Did have the one touchdown run where it was kind of like a, a massive rugby play where they just pushed him across the goal line. But I thought they did a good job of keeping Josh Allen from breaking the pocket and doing what he did against Pittsburgh last week when he went 52 yards to pay dirt. And so I'm sure Buffalo is anticipating something like this to happen again and how they're going to counter that if there is the three-man rush and the spy or some other combination that Spags comes up with. They, they've always liked this, though. You know, you, you had Trent McDuffie on, Legereus Need, Watson. Their corners, they blitz their corners many, more than any other team in the league. And one of the reasons why they do is it gets speed to the quarterback um, faster than somebody that's actually pass rushing. And so he gets quick, quick color, quick athlete yeah. onto Josh Allen, forcing him into making a decision. Stay, throw, um, try to shake him off. They've had success in the playoffs against Josh Allen with some of those corner blitzes that you're talking to Trent McDuffie about. Hey, JP, you could tell Baldy was just coaching down at the Hula Bowl because he's using major football vernacular. Get quick color on that quarterback. Right. I freaking love it, Baldy. Yeah. Hey, Baldy, a team, a team that doesn't blitz a ton that we've seen lately but is probably more effective than any team in the NFL is the Ravens, right? I mean, they, they get the rush with their guys up front and their zone defense in the back. Now, they're playing the Texans and the red-hot C.J. Stroud – how do you see the combination of what the Ravens do impacting of how well the Texans are functioning? Well, I mean, they play a, a matchup zone, Steve. Now, other teams play it. I don't know that anybody plays it better than Baltimore right now. Kyle Hamilton is a huge part of it because of his length and all the different places they put him. And the addition of Genevieve Clown and Kyle Van Noy to go with Matabike, they've got ways that they overload and get after you. Uh, but they zone up behind it. And if you look at, you know, Brock Purdy in this game, if you look at Jared Goff midseason, if you look at Geno Smith, all these quarterbacks that came in playing pretty good football, all left struggling. Tua Tagovailoa struggled against this defense. Because part of it is you don't know where the matchup is coming from depending on the route combinations. So the quarterback doesn't get a good pre-snap read of where guys are going to be. They don't discover where they're going until the ball is snapped. And sometimes that's a little bit too late, and it makes that quarterback hold the ball like you see right there, uh, Brock Purdy in that blowout win that Baltimore had. All right, Baldy, we got to let you go. Aloha, my brother. You just finished the Hula Bowl. I'm here at the Polynesian Bowl. I'm feeling really left out here. Yeah. Hey, JP, but that's all right. Everybody says hello to you, Baldy. All right, man, appreciate you. Okay, Coming thank up you, man. next, yep. Bill Belichick taking a second interview with the Falcons. Oh, we're going to be joined by somebody who worked for that organization and for Bill Belichick. Or Falcon GM Thomas Dimitrov next 
on the NFL. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report podcast along with myself and Steve Weish. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday. That's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app, as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms, as well as the NFL.com slash NFL channel. Find us all of those spots. All right, we're back at the NFL Report. And, James, I have been looking forward to this. We are bringing in former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov. TD, how you doing, man? I can't wait to talk to you guys. It is, it is cold and hot down here in Atlanta for sure. There's a lot going on. Well, right? on that note, because we were, we were going to slow play into that, but on that note, let's get right to it. You talk about it hot being in Atlanta, TD, and that's because Bill Belichick, who you used to work for with the Patriots, is having his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons where you served as general manager. Just knowing that building, what do you think these tea leaves are telling us about what what could possibly happen or what's likely to happen? Of course, I have not been in conversation with anything about anyone about this. You know, this, this is me stepping back, knowing both gentlemen very well, right? You have Arthur Blank, one of the best owners in the league, as you know. He's going to do all he can to, to make and help that organization be the best that it can possibly be at so many levels, as you know that. And then you have Bill Belichick, who I maintain, and as does your buddy Scott Pioli and all of us who have been around him, he is the very best in modern times. And and just like Mike Lombardi said, he is probably third only behind um, Vince Lombardi and Paul Brown. Like what he can do for an organization yeah. is, is in, in my mind unparalleled. And so wherever he ends up going and whatever he ends up doing, you and I both know he brings the organization that he does go to closer to a Super Bowl in the next three to four years than anyone out there in my mind. And that's not taking away from anyone out there that we know. This is an amazing, in my mind, group of coaches with Dan Quinn out there. You know how I feel about him with Mike Vrabel out sure. there you know, with Harbaugh. There's a lot of great opportunities. It's going to be really interesting. TD, I'm curious, with, with Bill Belichick and you knowing him so well, and there's seven openings right now, does he fit in all seven, though? I, I feel like when you look at him and what he's accomplished and what he's done, is there a certain group of teams that probably fit him better than saying maybe just because he's at the top of your list, he would fit all seven of these? Look, my, my feeling on this is anyone who has the stature that, that Bill Belichick has, and of course there are very few, but any of those really experienced coaches – that have a really you know strong stance on everything, and they should, right? They've deserved it. Through, uh, they deserve it through an incredible amount of time in this league and an understanding of football. The only thing I would say is those organizations that have that first-time general manager or first or second-year general manager, mm. it becomes a little more complicated. Thomas, I, I want you to kind of take us through the process, not specifically speaking to anyone, but using your experiences, right? When I worked for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I covered the team when you were hired as general manager, and it's a two-parter, but just your experiences going through the interview process to get this job that so many people are doing right now, interviewing for jobs. And then the second part is when you were part of the coaching search in Atlanta, when you ended up hiring Dan Quinn. So where do you want me to lead on that then? Sorry, Steve. So let's, let's, start, let's, let's start with you going through the process, which so many of these GM candidates are, are going through right now, like, Okay, how do I interview for this position? What do I tell teams how I want to build this team? Because you came in not knowing who your head coach was going to be. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, when I first started way back in 2008, when we, when we brought on Mike Smith through that whole process, and then moving on to Dan Quinn, obviously, in 2015, uh, excuse me, very different search situations, right? I mean, Arthur Blank was really good 
to allow me as a general manager, a first time general manager to go through myriad uh, lists uh, as far as what we needed at that point. That, that is, that is so, there are so many layers to it, Steve, but to me, it's contingent on, on where your organization is at that time, right? Our, our interview process for Mike Smith back in early 2008 was very different than it was with Dan Quinn in 2015 because of where we were roster-wise, where we were with a quarterback, what we needed to do. Mike Smith, as you know, great head coach, three-time coach of the year, and there were changes that need to be made, right? You look at that as a, as a GM and as an owner, of course, and you say, okay, here are all the great things about the former head coach that, that was here and now, and here are the things that were, were challenges. We want to make sure that the next head coach that comes in doesn't bring to the table some of the same challenges or that person, the new head coach potentially to come in. Uh, no, we know that that, that coach is not going to be uh, running the same line of trying to deal with some of the stuff that maybe slow played the coach that came in or was there before. I guess what I'm saying is very, very different in a lot of layers and a lot of, a lot of conversations about leadership, about, about, abilities of the coaches, right? We would go through myriad conversations again, to use that word, about how, you know, what, what is the best way to approach that coach? You're talking about ability to coach, talking about ability in the, in the meeting room. You're talking about ability to, to develop players. Um, there, again, those are things that we really have to drill down on as, as general managers and former general managers. And for everybody listening, that, that's kind of what's happening in Washington, right, Thomas? It, they get Adam Peters, and now they're kind of going into their head coaching kind of search after they've established that. So, so to piggyback off of what you just said, I'm fascinated by we're so entrenched in where coaches come from. Their coaching tree, as we always say. What tree did they come from? Did that ever play a factor, or does it play a factor, when you're looking at a coach knowing where he came from and which tree he came from? Yeah, there's no question about that, James. I mean, you're looking about how they were raised. They're, they're, honestly, their approaches to building a team, their approaches and their former, whoever they came up through, their former head coach, their mentors, so to speak, how they, quite honestly, and a lot of GMs do this, how was this, this guy that we're going to be interviewing now, how was he raised as far as personnel goes, right? Make no mistake about it, James. Every one of these GMs that have personnel background, want to make sure that they are pairing with a with a coach that a understands personnel understands the ability to evaluate understands again there are so many levels to evaluating that is a big big deal no one and I go back into my first time with with um, you know someone like uh, Mike Smith I wanted to make sure that Mike knew about evaluation believed in evaluation believed in the scouting system and understood that the scout scout and the coach's coach and then within that, that we are able to come together as GM and head coach and be able to discuss at so many levels the nuances of the system. That is, is vital. You're, most of these general managers out there, most, not all, of course, you guys know this, Howie Roseman and Mickey Loomis, two of the best out there. Those guys came from a different, you know, a, a different uh, road, just like Brandon Bean did, right? But, too, yeah. yeah. And there's some really good ones out there that don't have personnel background, Everyone in this spot wants to make sure they have a workable relationship with their head coach. No one wants to come in this where they're batting their head against the wall every day that they're trying to help build the team, James. So again, very, 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 very important to make sure you know how these guys are raised. And some, last, last point, some that were raised in certain paradigms that don't have a real respect for the personnel staff, that, that can be very treacherous. And, and it, it, it can be a it can be a short lived relationship, of course. Thomas, I'm so glad you said that, because I remember the union with you and Mike Smith and you stressed the importance of the separate but collaborative dynamics that you were just talking about. Lastly, we have about a minute here, Thomas. You got to find a quarterback. You were fortunate to come into a situation your first time. You had a number three overall pick and you got Matt Ryan. How vital is it You know, when you look at some of these circumstances to know who is going to be the proper guy to fit into your locker room? And real quick with a caveat, remember, Thomas, everyone was telling you to draft defensive lineman Glenn Dorsey instead of Matt Ryan at that time. <laughs> there was a lot of that, as you know, in town. And we won't mention some of the names, but yeah, oh, look, 
I mean, anyone, even even a head coach, GM that potentially could be coming into a team. One of the main things we're looking at, of course, we're looking at who the ownership is. Make no mistake about that as well, gentlemen. If you don't know the owner, at least have a grasp of what the owner is and and their approach, that's a big deal. Now, when you're a first timer, you're open. We always used to joke about this. You're open to say, like, I'll work anywhere. I could do anything with anyone. Just give me the opportunity. And as you get experience, you're a lot more particular about that. That's one thing. Of course, the quarterback is massively important. Not only that the quarterback might be there, but the, that the quarterback is within reach, that there's a potential to get a free agent or equally important that you are in a draft spot that you know that you might get one of these top five this year. If you're 22 coming in or 18 and you're going to have to move up and sell the farm to get up there, that's a little bit different when you're talking about making sure that you get the right quarterback to build around. All right, so I got to squeeze this one in, Thomas, because this is what I'm fascinated about. Look at the Bears, right? They have what some people believe is their quarterback, but they also have the number one overall pick. How would you, kind of looking at that from an outsider's perspective, kind of look at that spot that Ryan Poles is in right now, and is that a very difficult spot? Would it be a fun spot from a GM perspective? What 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 is he dealing with right now? It's a lot of sleepless nights, I'm sure. I mean, there's a there's an element of excitement about it, right? To know that you are in such control and have the opportunity to continue to build. Yes, it's a it's a I think it's a great spot to be in. You know, remember that that pick was not on Ryan Poles, right? We know that. Uh, not not that it's whether it worked or not, but as again, general managers, normally you want to stay with the quarterback that you that you picked and you brought in. Of course, yep. Ryan Pace, who I have a great deal of respect, you know, he was the one who actually drafted him. So, you know, who knows where where he ends his quarter his former quarterback ends up. But great spot to be in if you're Ryan Poles, I believe. TD, absolutely great stuff. I mean, this, you know, we try to enlighten, and you just really, really open the bandwidth of some minds here with some of these topics. Brother, we appreciate you taking the time for us. Hopefully, we can get you back on here again. Love to be back. Anytime, gents. Don't forget, every Monday, every Thursday, 7.15 Eastern on the NFL channel, also on Tubi, Roku, Peacock, the NFL Report, also a podcast, also on the NFL's YouTube account as well. We're going to be back on Monday and Thursday of next week, recapping, Steve, everything that went down in the divisional round. I'll be doing it from Buffalo. How about that? That's sweet. I'll be watching from Honolulu. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.